Welcome to episode two of the Tesco podcast. This is a companion to episode one, where Nick Morgan from the department gives us the feedback on the discussion paper. This excerpt by Nick Morgan is taken from the department webinar that happened last week. Well, thank you to everyone who contributed contributed their feedback and input. Um, we received, my notes say 511 submissions, but I think we've got a few late ones too. So it's probably more like uh, up to 520 or 528, I think I can see a little note on the slide says. Um, but 511 at 2 December, which is what the analytics are based on. Um, from older Australians receiving aged care services, family, uh, their family members and carers, uh, health professionals, service providers and peak bodies. Um, we also heard from others such as researchers and older Australians who anticipate to receive aged care uh, services in the future and uh, local governments and advocates. So I'll provide a feedback of the summary that we've received against the five focus areas, uh, highlighting the views of older Australians, carers and families and service providers. Uh, and I should preface the slides by noting that across most areas, the majority of responses reflected kind of uncertainty about different aspects of the reforms. And that's perhaps understandable given the discussion paper was at quite a high level. And I expect uh, a lot of that is to do with people wanting more detail. Uh, so bear that in mind as we go. All right, so let's start with self-management. Um, so we've reviewed the submissions to get a sense of the sentiment towards people who self-manage being able to directly book multiple organisations to deliver their services. And then the, those organisations invoice the government um, without the need for a lead provider as you would have today in a home care packages program. Um, you know, as I just indicated, the majority of respondents didn't provide a clear position, but those who did, they were generally in favour of the concept and, and that included um, service providers. Carers were probably the most divided. Um, and I, you know, I should note that we're, I've labelled these graphs carers, that's carers uh, and family members that I've grouped together in those responses. So one of the questions we posed in the discussion paper is whether people using multiple providers should be responsible for keeping within their budget. Um, again, most submissions didn't tackle the question, but of those who did, uh, it was really the providers who had the strongest view. Um, a quarter of providers did not want consumers to be keeping track of the budget. And I think what that means is that, um, you know, a number of them indicated that they've experienced issues in the NDIS with clients essentially running out of funds in their budgets before the invoice has been paid, leaving the, the provider to foot the bill. So providers coming in with some concerns there, I think. In terms of the sort of qualitative feedback we received on self-management, um, issues raised by older Australians who self-manage today include a strong desire to retain the ability to purchase services and be reimbursed, um, and particularly in rural and remote areas. And uh, that's something that's not really reflected in the current model, so we need to do some more thinking there. Uh, also, they're worried that if workers and providers have to be registered in the um, current um, in the new system that some of the local workers, uh, again, particularly in rural areas, won't want to register and will be left with service gaps. So again, something we're looking at now. Um, 
And while some tell me they like the idea of accessing sort of multiple providers directly with no middlemen, there are others who say they'd be prepared to pay for a um, lead provider type arrangement to keep track of the budget and help when needed. Um, and there remains uh, some uncertainty about the concept of the quarterly budget. I've had uh, in some of the discussions I've been having with consumers, there's been some anxiety about that, meaning every three months you have to be reviewed again and get a new budget. Just to be clear, that's not the intention. The intention is that you get a budget, it's sort of an annual budget, but it's just paid in quarterly, you know, it's, uh, it's um, allocated in quarterly uh, amounts. And at the end of each quarter, if you um, haven't spent all of your budget, let's say you had a $2,000 budget and you only spend $1,500, next quarter your budget is still going to only be $2,000. You don't get $2,500. In other words, it's sort of use it or lose it in the quarter. But you don't get reassessed on everything each quarter. All right, um, from a provider perspective, like as I mentioned earlier, people overbooking services and there being no, no money left in the budget when the provider invoices for their services um, is a key concern. Uh, and that's something we're, we're, again, putting further thought into. And there's also, um, you know, keen to get clarity about accountability for client outcomes where someone has multiple providers and what does the regulatory framework around that look like? Uh, all right, so uh, let's move on to care care partners or care management. Um, so yet again, majority response is not a clear view, but uh, those who did were largely positive about the care partner concept uh, across older Australians, carers and families uh, and providers. So positive in general. Uh, the next slide. Um, uh, the discussion paper asked about whether the care um, um, partners should uh, monitor outcomes. Uh, you know, what we see there is uh, strong, strongly, those again who answered strongly, uh, fairly strongly in favour of, um, yes, that's kind of the key role there. Uh, if we go to the next one, that's about where should the care partner sit. Um, uh, that's, you know, should they be independent or not independent? Should they sit within a service provider who's delivering services? Um, those who did favour the care manager being independent, um, uh, yeah, that, those who answered the, the question tended to favour the care manager being independent uh, of a client service. Um, older Australians and carers were particularly strong in this view, but interestingly, providers who answered um, were also in this camp, which did surprise me a little bit. I thought providers might um, push to have uh, you know, care partners uh, sitting within the organisation. But again, uh, you know, the majority of people really, they didn't have a strong position in their submissions on this. Uh, so in terms of the qualitative feedback, um, you know, the older Australians and, and carers and families um, are clear that they, they don't want people making decisions for them in, um, uh, as care managers. Uh, they want help to be available when they need it, not just on a schedule. Uh, uh, they don't want expensive fees for care management services that are invisible to them, as in the services invisible to them and what are the fees for. Uh, and per the previous slide, some consumers are really adamant that care partners should be independent 
I think COTA may have also expressed that view in their submission. Um, from a provider perspective, there's a real concern about accountability of the care partner, particularly where the client has multiple providers. Um, providers want a more precise definition of what care management should cover, which could include onboarding clients, uh, care planning and clinical oversight, uh, implementing care plans, monitoring and evaluating client goals and service delivery and so on. But it's also what's in and what's out is important. They want more clarity on how episodic support will be funded. Um, one option we're thinking about, for example, is an extension of that flexible funding pool concept I talked about earlier. In other words, there could perhaps be an additional funding pool to bill care management services against, but we're still working that through. There is a, a question about the uh, clinical qualifications needed for care partners. At this stage, we're considering how to support the team-based approaches that we are told operate today that could involve a mix of clinical and non-clinical staff with clinical oversight. Uh, we kind of, again, need to get to some further clarity on that, particularly for the service providers. Uh, and finally, there's still a question around how care management uh, would operate for lower level clients and um, single service providers. All right, uh, onto the funding model. Um, this chart shows what we saw in terms of just overall sentiment towards the proposed funding model. And for those who expressed a view, uh, it was really pretty mixed. Uh, carers were fairly positive. Clients were fairly evenly divided. Providers were more uh, more negative about the model, there was, although there was still a fair proportion of positive providers as well. Um, in terms of the feedback we are getting um, on the on the funding model, uh, older, older Australians have said that they like the idea of the budget, uh, but have concerns about it being quarterly. Um, and as I mentioned, there had been some confusion around needing to get a review or assessment each quarter, uh, which isn't being proposed. Um, most home care package clients are happy to hear that prices would be set by government uh, rather than providers, although several um, self-managing clients have indicated that price ranges or price caps would be better than just set prices to allow them to shop around for better prices if someone offers something at a lower price than the government price. Uh, there's also general support for a model that opens up the market to new providers rather than locking in only the grant-funded CHSP providers in a region, particularly in areas where there's a shortage of services available today. Um, from a provider perspective, understandably very wary about the model until they see more detail, I guess. And so um, what, what we're seeing is some pessimism about prices being set too low. Uh, and in terms of prices, I should say the Independent Health and Aged Care Pricing Authority will be providing advice to government in 2023 on initial prices for the program uh, based on the, the cost of delivery for providers. And that would include administration and travel and other costs in those prices. Uh, some providers are arguing for alternative funding models, such as either retaining grants or moving to a sort of fixed and variable funding model under a case mix type approach. Um, but that said, providers have generally acknowledged that the discussion paper has sought to address concerns they raised earlier in the year about, um, uh, you know, about fee-for-service type funding through uh, the addition of the supplementary grants and the flexible, you know, more detail on the flexible funding pool. 
some providers, particularly those used to grant funding, have sort of flagged that the model looks too complex. Uh, and many of the grant funded providers suggest that it's also a bit too transactional and uh, competitive. And that's something that's come through strongly from uh, uh, local government. There's also very strong desire from providers for more details to come more quickly, I suppose, um, and for implementation to be staggered so that they have time to make business decisions and changes to their systems. All right, uh, the fourth topic of our five topics is around flexibility for changing needs. Um, so this might just be our first chart where the majority did express an opinion and the opinion was overwhelmingly positive across all groups. So people supported the idea of the flexible funding pool and the ability to change services within a budget. Uh, if we go to the next one. So um, we also asked about the size of the flexible funding pool. Um, the discussion paper proposed 25% of a provider's kind of total, total client budgets form the pool. I mean, I guess very few people really had an opinion on this one. Providers who did answer were divided um, between 25% being about right or suggesting it should be a bit higher. So next one. Yep, so in terms of the qualitative feedback, um, people like the concept of flexibility, some, but some concern uh, about providers determining how the flexible pool is spent coming through from consumers. Um, for older Australians. There's, there's support for the budget concept and support for a separate scheme for goods, equipment and, and uh, home modifications as needed so that people don't have to save for those services. Uh, and providers are supportive of the flexible fund, but they're really keen to ensure that there are guidelines on how it can be used so they don't have to get into disputes between you know, um, their clients about why one person got something extra through the pool and, and another person didn't. They want some clarity around how that pool can be used. All right, the last area that we asked for feedback on was innovation. Um, look, I haven't split this chart into the different groups because the, the responses were a little bit scattered. Um, we proposed innovation grants, which got some support. Uh, a number of small number also suggested re um, relaxing um, regulation, uh, but most made uh, suggestions, I guess, in the other category. So a couple of those, if we click, should pop up on the slide. Thanks. So some, some of the suggestions included, you know, greater focus on technology, um, letting providers, uh, something that came through from pro some providers was around letting providers increase prov prices to deliver higher quality with more quality measures for consumers to know if the extra cost is worth it, like star rating systems and the like. Um, some took the opportunity to say that the whole concept of activity-based payments will stifle innovation. Um, collaboration with universities was proposed and there was some uh, some support for the concepts around how you could better share innovative practice through communities of practice and the like. Uh, so there has been some interest from uh, consumers in some of the concepts that were flagged in the discussion paper, including the idea of pooling funds in a congregate setting. What I mean by that is for people who for example, live in a retirement village, are they able, if there's multiple people there who all have 
in home aged care budgets, could they pull those budgets with their provider to try and get the money to go further? Uh, that was flagged in the paper, got a bit of support. Um, similarly, um, the home share arrangements that were flagged as something that you know could be explored where, for example, boarders stay with people rent free in exchange for um, sharing chores like cleaning, shopping and gardening. Um, there's been a bit of interest in that sort of thing. Uh, as I said on the previous slide, service providers have expressed some concern about a model which sets prices um, and pays for services on activity-based processes. All right, um, so that's the five areas we asked for feedback, but of course people didn't limit themselves to giving us feedback just on those um, five things. So, you know, this slide talks about, you know, what some of the feedback that was uh, on things that were missing from the paper. So, um, so firstly, older Australians and carers are keen for more information on the assessment arrangements. In fact, um, everyone's a bit, has been keen on for more information around assessment. We're planning a large scale trial in April next year uh, with the existing assessment organisations, uh, which will should give us data on around 20,000 assessments that we'll um, be able to then use to verify the new assessment approach and the classification arrangements that are proposed. That's the next big thing that we're looking to do on assessments before getting to the next version of what we're proposing. Um, Carers have raised some concern about access to respite, and we are planning a couple of workshops, I think even before Christmas, um, that Carers Australia is organising for us with a focus on uh, spouses who are carers, as well as children who are informal carers. Uh, so we'll be uh, trying to get a better understanding of the issues in that space through those workshops to progress. Um, different diversity groups have raised issues about a lack of information on things like translation services uh, and we're going to have to set up some further workshops early in the new year to um, make sure we've picked up those issues and we're clear about uh, what's included. Um, the discussion paper didn't have too much detail on the goods equipment and assistive technology and home modification scheme, it's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, we're looking to try and release another paper without thinking on that shortly. Um, service providers are watching the clock, I guess, is the best way to put it. The government did extend the start date uh, for the program, but time is still ticking and they're looking for details as soon as possible, including on ICT and transition arrangements, as well as regulatory changes. Providers are also very focused on workforce constraints uh, and, you know, workforce shortages, especially in in rural and um, remote areas are already constraining services. So um, that's a focus. Um, obviously the Fair Work Commission wage case should have a positive impact and there are a range of other initiatives underway, uh, including through training places and, and support to attract new workers into the sector and so on. All right, uh, I think I'm coming to the end. I hope I haven't gone too far over. No one seems to have nudged me yet, but um, so in terms of next steps, um, we will be continuing the consultations, you know, right through to February uh, before government uh, makes some decisions, probably in the context of the, the, you know, the normal May budget next year. Um, and then that'll, um, that'll give us around a year, a bit over a year to, once we've got some decisions, move across into uh, transition and implementation ahead of that July 2024 start date. 
So thank you. Uh, thanks for listening today. Uh, please contact us if you have any further questions or queries and, uh, and look out for further consultation and sessions that we'll be running right through over through to February this year, next year. Thank you. Thanks again to Nick Morgan and the department for keeping us up to date on the feedback on the discussion paper. While we keep our ears to the ground, waiting for the next instalment of the changes, I hope you'll join me while we continue to find out how the changes will affect our region.